Hi guys, welcome back to season five, episode 29 of Melon Girl Problem Podcast. We are wrapping up and soon gonna be reaching the season finale of season five, and then I will definitely go on a hiatus before I wrap before I start back season six. But I am your host, Yasmin Owens, and today is February, so the lovely Black History Month. And today I'm talking about if you haven't seen it already, go watch it before you like even listen to this podcast. But I'm gonna talk about Black Panther 2 Wakanda Forever. And how it made, you know, a big impact. And I'm not just saying that because of its all-black cast, but also because the one, the only, Angela Bassett has been the first Marvel woman actress to win a nominee for this. And besides the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe and Phase 4 in general, it was interesting. But I think what Phase 4 of Marvel Cinematic Universe has trying to convey it's a lot of either grief trauma neglect uh showing interesting well done uh recitation of mental issues and you know racism that's still for how to your veterans and a lot of trauma and then you know others tackle but why i'm focusing particularly on black panther 2 wakanda forever because i will say since the passing it's been two years since the passing of chad bowman um sudden passing in 2020 and he kept his cancer secret you know since he died in 2016 and then he passed in 2020 and just hearing the original script for black panther if he didn't pass away was heartbreaking enough but even that for the people the writers who had to rewrite the entire script and that takes dedication and you know since they personally knew chadwick and having to rewrite this but still trying to honor him in some way way or form i respect that i think you know they needed to not outdo themselves but continue on his legacy without trying to move on to a character now i will say spoiler warning if you haven't seen it go see it so take time to exit out of this podcast and go watch black panther if you haven't already and then come back to this podcast but diving in i think a lot of people were like why didn't they just recast chadwick i think from the director's standpoint he clearly said he wanted to honor chadwick's legacy and by not replacing him, they did just that. Yes, they mourned him while they were filming this movie. The entire cast was mourning him, like everyone who knew him, especially his wife. My heart goes out to her. But I think why Black Panther was an incredibly and emotionally satisfying sequel from its previous predecessor is because, you know, Black Panther, the first one, is they're both really good. And they're both excellent film and having ryan krugler as the director has crafted something exceptional and phenomenal for the marvel cinematic universe and you have to think when you have minorities portraying in a film and you have always heard this talk like you don't think a minority film will do well well ryan krugler has proved that wrong with black panther and black panther 2 wakanda forever and other films that come after that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Shang-Chi is all Asian cast and you know the showing that minorities can make money and can bring the audience in just to prove people wrong and I'm thinking there isn't enough praise that Wakanda River you know I feel like there has been some type of criticism for Black Panther Wakanda River because there I think for it to be not truly a perfect film, but perfect in the sense of how we feel, especially for some characters who I feel like 
didn't have their time to shine. Like a character that I particularly said out to me was Reedy Williams, uh, Dominique Thorwin, who plays, you know, Ironheart. Um, she has her own series coming out and I hope we get her own movie. But even though I feel like she didn't get her time to shine, but I understand that because overall the story for her really didn't evolve around her you know it just evolved a small part of her to link to the vibarium you know that wakanda has and she evolved in a similar sense to america chavez and when in dr strange's multitude of madness but she is relevant to the plot but she isn't given too much limelight for like what her future spawns are going to set up here but besides that you know i feel like with wakanda forever it does have a good sense of you know representation especially with uh lupita because when the director asked her was she comfortable speaking spanish um in the film she was very excited because her background her mom is african descent her dad is mexican descent and to represent more of the uh, latino community i think that was really good as well but why i'm going back to black Panther kind of rather i don't want to you know get off sidetrack but i would not deny the parallel that this cult this film had a culture impact that is nearly impossible to replicate the film did wonders for black representation both marvel universe and superhero films as a whole giving kids all around the world a new group of heroes who look like them not to mention being the original film makes it deserve more credit when it induced audience to both wakandas and people who live in it lastly you have a new villain in Wakanda Forever, Namor. And giving able to have Namor and Killmonger as one of the best Marvel villains? As for Namor and the Talcoon, you know, they are interesting protagonists for us to be reckoned with, but they can't top Michael B. Jordan's Killmonger. He was an iconic villain in the real life problems he represents. But I feel like Wakanda Forever had a slower pace, but a stronger character mode. And you know, as great as the first Black Panther movie is, you know, I feel like when it comes to this one, it just blew out of the water in the first one. I think, you know, kind of certainly has those things between the epic battles, between the Wakandans and the Talcoon. Um, the lovely charismatic of Mimbaku, played by Winston Duke, and Akoye by uh, Danina Gura. Hopefully I'm pronouncing her name right. I don't want to mispronounce their names, but why i think wakanda has such strong characters because you're, you're dealing with all these characters that are dealing with grief of living like you know shuri lost her brother his mom lost her son she lost her husband the whole nation is mourning their protector of wakanda and now certain people have to step up you know and i feel like the teacher right who plays shuri probably never expected to take jabba Bowman's play especially so quickly and i think we're seeing Shuri going through the stage of grief of losing her brother and you know you see Shuri go on this incredible journey as the film made protagonist that is all motivated by grief she feels for the loss of her brother refusing to pour herself into her work and taking on her birthright as Black Panther and she faced even further grief with her mother uh, Ramonda you know if you haven't seen it we're not talking about spoiler here guys major spoilers if you haven't seen the film go watch it I cannot repeat it enough go watch it but, you know, we are introduced another character that, you know, becomes the cat and, you know, this whole war against Neymar and then her desire for vengeance. And I can't believe how they brought Killmonger 
back to this film. I wasn't expecting that. And ultimately, you know, once we see Shuri go through this journey of self-acceptance, grief, denial, revenge, all the forms of grief, she finally finds peace and is able to properly remember the family she's lost. And speaking of Angela Bassett, her performance as a queen is nothing short of an Academy Award nomination and she deserves to win with the returning you know supporting cast but they also show their pain of loss in more subtle ways in the film now through you know everything we're introduced to a new society new cast of villains that's named one of the tycoons and to find out that the original script was going to be chadwick coming back five years after being blipped and find out that he had a son and realizing that he lost five years on his son's life and trying to get the time back while he was going to take a step back from being king and be there for his son until he was called back to Wakanda to probably face Namor and there probably wasn't going to be any death who knew but that was the original script but since Chadwick has has passed away they had to change it up because I think you know we introducing a new uh, Nawara kingdom and having their ancestry be revealed like ties to the abuse of the Mayans received the hands of the conquistadors both through voluntary conquest and involuntary sparing of smallpox and then you know when Namor is induced he sees the horror of the slave trade and he will do anything to make sure his people never face that cruelty again and that really makes the conflict between Wakanda and Takun so compelling because this isn't a simple fight between good and evil this is a war between two nations who are fearful of each other and what the rest of the world would, would want to do with them because both are our compromise of living thinking people's with goals and ambitions simply because of simple foot soldiers or drawings and perhaps not quite as a cultural you know relevance but as a theme president seen in the first film but still an excellent commentary on the length of, of how people are willing to go for peace justice and vengeance just to protect their own but i think how wakanda is on a different level than the first one is because in terms of visuals audio and stunning landscapes and costume design, it does a good job of setting this imaginary world of Wakanda and seeing how much time has passed since, you know, Black Panther, Infinity War, and Endgame, and seeing these characters come back. And when we have the full opening scene to Wakanda Forever, then proceeding to the funeral procession where everyone in Wakanda is wearing white, and how much of an impact that made on to tribute to Chadwick and you know his role that he gave to be Black Panther and seeing all the characters just step up and take up that role of how they all dealt with grief and I think that was very clear on how all the cast members in some way dealt with grief on their own and I think having to go back to the world of Wakanda again where everyone's grieving the death of King T'Challa. You know, you have the very strong, powerful woman doing everything possible to save the company from all the threats. And then I think overall having that is was really important, not only for like the black community, but for everybody, because we've all been on this journey with everyone. And when we had that sudden passing of child, we just really opened up her eyes that life is too short and you know you cherish the moments you have with loved ones but i think by black panther has such an impact on me because i felt seen you know 
And it's the first time where I feel like for a long time, like the first box super I've seen on screen was Storm and then Vixen and then, you know, Jon Stewart played Green Lantern. And it took a while to to have representation of someone who looked like me to, you know, because in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, it defies the, you know, it talks about grief, compound grief, generative trauma, and the richness of Mesoamerica and African-American culture, which I found very, I don't know, what's the word I'm trying to look for? I think what the main message that I'm trying to say is that at the end of the day, I think the themes that I'm, you know, and I'm trying to get at here, and especially for, uh, you know, Black Ash Month, I think it's very important because, honestly, guys, when I saw this film, I kid you not, could not stop crying. Could not stop crying. It's not a bad thing because I think, you know, when we lose someone, especially in this mindset of losing an actor who was the role you're dealing with a lot of complex themes to the viewer to understand both of the singular hero's journey and the multi power of a community. And I think around that grief, faith, honor, and duty, all that theme ties into one. And I think how that reflects is because in an interview, Nick uh, Peter tells Hollywood reporters that she had to face the task that she was given, which was the woman who was at a different stage of setting the law than, than she was. Um, because Nikita is the mother of the child's son. And she says in an interview, it was very hard to lose Chadwick, but he was not to me what he was to Nikita. So she had, she couldn't even imagine what it would be like to go on to losing the love of your life. She took inspiration from Bozeman's widow, Simone Lee Ward Bozeman, and she remembered at his most service, bearing witness to Simone, the strength that she possessed. And she remembered being shocked because she was she was broken the kid was broken she was on the ground and when she was ready to play Nikita again she thought about her a lot because she knew about what she, what we did without the same way Nikita seems to be a lot wiser and more sage with depth and grief than you know Lapita was and I think that really shows in the film along with Okoye uh, Diana girl who plays Okoye stepping back into her role as you know the general of Adorma Laje, but as general who no longer has a king to protect. And I think each of the characters dealt with the grief of losing their best friend in certain ways and it really portrayed well with the character. I remember finding um, an interview of the actress who plays Okoye. She said, if you do a sequel, allow all the characters to go through some shift to end up where they wouldn't expect to be stretched for their human humanity to be expanded but I think her interview said she was very thankful for the world that they got to meet these characters in the first film but for them to be more ex- expanded on for the character development and to see what that grief took on them stress-wise and tax right and allow the complex character to take more of an impact on them and when they were introduced to the revised script they cried because they had to relieve knowing how they would honor Chadwick and Nakia's story could be on allowing her to grow to be on a different stage of life than all the other characters. And I think for this to be the second installment, and if you've seen it, then 
you know, there's, you know, yeah, there's going to be a third, a third movie for Wakanda, but also dealing with the aspects of having indigenous people that are trying to preserve their world that comes and wants to destroy that. You saw that happen throughout Africa, throughout South America. So actually having these two nations, these two people having to figure out how to retain their strength and actually become extremely powerful through preservation that's that specified of self. And I think that astounding reants have will hopefully be powerful for everyone who wants to retain who we are in the world that tells us to be something else. And I think of that moment between Black Panther 1 and 2, this film does exactly just that. And I was amazed of how much this film, you know, despite the numbers that it made, despite everything that we have seen, you know, in cinema representation, I think we have made it a long way, but we still have a long way to go if we want to feel like every minority is seen. But to have Black Panther Wakanda Forever be that film to where every little kid around the world is being seen, I think we've done a good job of making sure that we can be whoever we want to be and don't let society tell us how we're supposed to be. But thank you for tuning into this podcast episode. Hopefully everyone's um, back in month is going well. Uh, there will be two more episodes before the season finale wraps up. I'll take a hiatus for season six. But I thank y'all for listening through five seasons of my podcast. I appreciate all the love and support. And I can't wait to see where season six takes us next. Take care, everyone. Love you and have a wonderful day. Until then, see you soon. Bye.